Welcome to the NDIS Property Australia podcast. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin. Hello, everybody. We're here again with a special guest speaker from Perth, Western Australia, Dr. Angad Singh from Sedana Constructions, backed by popular demand. He keeps on asking me, how good was the last podcast? And I'd just say it's pretty good. <laughs> I can't give too much uh, information. But, uh, Angie, welcome back, man. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. And I, I know we have a bit of a tight window here for you to come on for 40, 30, 40 minutes just before you head off to a provider meeting. So what's that provider yes. meeting about next after you? Uh, we actually have an ongoing process with our providers, uh, both our SEAL providers and our SDA providers, where we basically catch up every month. We talk about every project that we have ongoing. Plus, that's our opportunity to get some dedicated time to review any opportunities or just get some general market feedback. You know, um, it's changing so quickly at the moment, right? Like yeah, yeah. they're implementing new systems, new processes. We want to see how they're going. Team members are turning over. We want to understand how their business is operating. Um, it's just it's just a really good meeting just to touch base once a month, yeah. That's great. Well, today's topic, Angad, is uh, improved livability. Since we last spoke um, online, our last podcast with you, uh, we've really focused mm-hmm. on uh, on the market demand of Perth. Mm-hmm. And um, today's topic is improved ability. We're going to talk about what yes. it is, um, how you are adapting to uh, the feedback from your providers about IL yes. rather than HPS, yep. and uh, what's the secret to uh, moving forwards with your business in these this new style of design and the land lot sizes and all that kind of stuff. So uh, to begin with, can you give us a feedback on on the data or demand from your providers with IL as a, sure. as a um, information there? Yeah, look, well, let's start there, I guess. Um, so in these monthly meetings, we are getting the most up-to-date information, not just regarding the high-level uh, NDIA information, but also what they're seeing on the ground and what they're seeing coming through their particular business, which might not be representative of the broader market at all. And so when, um, uh, you know, when we presented the project that you and I are currently working on, the two, the two houses there, when we originally presented that project to them, that was with a specification in mind for high physical support or fully accessible. Mm. And the feedback that we received from them is that they are getting people that are approved for improved livability, approved for improved livability funding, coming out of their ears and um, the unfortunate thing is is that these people who have the approvals in place and need the accommodation have absolutely nowhere to go they also noted that of the 20 other developers that they're working with they have none that are producing new improved livability stock so they really wanted us to provide that stock for them because they have the participants that need that accommodation and that's that's kind of how it started yeah so those other 20-odd developers they're talking to, mm-hmm. are they all producing HPS? In the main, yes. As houses or units? Both. You wow. see, when you, okay. when you check the spreadsheets, right, um, and you, if, you, if all you cared about was the 
was the SDA income calculator that's provided to you from the the NDIA, then you would you look at what produces the most income and and that's what you produce. And that is high mm-hmm. physical support and and single, you know, single participant and that kind of thing. But the reality is these don't produce any income unless they're full. And and ultimately it's our job to provide accommodation for the people, you know? So that's that's what's happening. People are just not realizing who's actually out there that needs needs accommodation. Correct. So you and I just had a, a, a catch up with Grace in our office here just then. Yes. And she was just telling you or telling us that this client of hers wants HPS no matter what. Yes. Even though she tried to explain it's probably not the way to go. Yep. We should consider a lower risk approach for her yesterday investment. He's like, no, I want HPS. I want sure. HPS. That's all I want. Yep. As a business, as a builder, mm-hmm. if you had a customer who comes along like that to you mm-hmm. and they made those demands, mm-hmm. how do you respond or, or react to that kind of request? Yeah, look, ultimately we're builders. Um, we are not in the business of providing consultancy or advice to mm-hmm. developers who, who have a vision or, or a, a dream about what they would like to do. I think in that situation we would obviously share our experience uh, if the client formed a different view and they insisted upon an approach that they wanted to do, then then we would build what they asked for. Now, remember what you and I spoke about in our last podcast, and that yes. is the vetting process from the provider also happens in the background as well. Yeah, sure. So that's not to say that um, – so maybe maybe let's make this a bit more clear. When I come to you with a project, that is a project that has been through a series of uh, filters that are both with us and the provider. By the time you see a project that we are looking at, remember the SDA providers already had a look at it. Mm-hmm. They've already done you know, some quick checks on what they think the demand's likely to be, where their other accommodation is. And the SEAL providers already started having a look at how they would provide care in that location, whether it's convenient, efficient for them and, and all this. That's you and me. That's our starting point. And that one there is a provider-led opportunity. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, this one here in this example, this mm-hmm client coming along yep whether he wants this type of product or has a block of land yep. it is called a investor-led sure opportunity which means the risk or the the onus or the burden is on him yes to do his own research yep on his own resources consult yep. to his own providers find his own tenants or participants yes and he he will live or die by that transaction exactly right it's it's it's, it's his call no one else's yes yeah, and and obviously we might think he's making a mistake, but maybe he's got some information that we don't have, or maybe he's got a different provider than we have who wants that type of accommodation. So yes, you know that's really up to it's up to the investor to make that call ultimately. Yes. So back to improvability. Yes. Let's talk about this uh, this Kelmscott project here. Yes. So do you want to explain to our listeners the size of the block, the size of the house, the the concept here or what this unique design like – obviously you and I are looking at the design right now, which we kind of seen it, but it's hard for mm-hmm. um, our listeners to understand. But can you explain what's gone on to create this fantastic and wonderful design here? Yeah, sure. Well, look, let's start with the um, – so the let's start with the location. So we noticed that in this particular area, which is an infill location, very well located, close to public transport, shops – all of the things that we usually we usually look for. And if anyone of your listeners is curious about that, they can revisit the previous podcast to get a sense of that. Ticked that box. We put it in front of our providers. It ticked that box as well. And um, and what we have is essentially two 493-square-metre 
blocks in Kelmscott. And uh, we've now completed the concept designs for those properties. Um, in order, or the design intent for these is really to create an outstanding, independent living opportunity for people of the improved livability category. So if you're looking at the floor plan now, you can see that we have large functional living areas and kitchens and dining rooms and a very large outdoor area, which is which is kind of, you know, uh, I think necessary for all great SDA developments. But what's, I think, unique and special about this particular project is that the room sizes have been made maybe double or triple what you would expect to see in a development of this nature. And, of course, they each have their own private en-suites. They have a separate robe. Um, they each have a private courtyard. So, yeah, we've really it's, – it's almost like a boarding house type of concept where someone can live completely in their room if they want some privacy or they can engage with other people in the main living areas. Yeah. Uh, the house, I think, is about 240-odd square metres maybe, and the, the outdoor living area is maybe an additional 30 or so. And then there's a huge backyard of a couple of hundred square metres. So 240 internal, mm-hmm. 238 to be precise, about yeah. 30 square metres in the large alfresco area. And then there's three courtyards on the side. Yes. Private courtyards for each yes. participant. Yes. Yeah, very important, I think. I think that's uh, it's very rare to see a courtyard in, in, in SDA house designs. That's yes. fantastic. But then also we have extra large bedrooms as well, which is very rare to see in yes. a improved ability house. Yes. So you, you you had a fantastic idea, which is now deleted, which is the kitchenette. Yes. Tell us your, your thoughts about the whole kitchenette and why it's removed and all the kind of stuff. Yeah, look, we, we've, had, we've got quite a bit of experience in the uh, shared accommodation space, so um, HMOs or boarding houses, if whatever you call it. And in those, it's highly desirable for individuals to have their own kitchenette, uh, at least in our experience. So we were, we took that idea from that concept. When we ran it past our seal providers, they told us it's a silly idea <laughs> for for this type of this type of thing. So, so it's not it's not my it wasn't my idea to take them out. It was the feedback provided by our seal and SDA providers, and their rationale was basically that it's quite unlikely that they're going to have the need for their own kitchenette. However, mm-hmm. that space mm-hmm. is highly useful. They would probably prefer that space to be able to put a study desk or a reading chair or or anything really. So really, and and maybe with IL, remember you want someone to be able to make it their home. So giving them some opportunity to customise that space based on their needs was more value than us locking them into a kitchenette. So in the end, we decided yeah. to leave it open, you know, obviously there's PowerPoints and things, so that they can put storage there, put a reading chair, put a study desk, whatever. Um, but not locking them in was really the reason we removed it out. Mm. But you, didn't you say you've changed it to maybe a mini bar now? Uh, it's that could be one of the possibilities. But obviously, a mini bar is just a desk with a PowerPoint underneath for a bar fridge. Yeah. yeah. And when I asked you, uh, this is I'm just recalling our conversation. Yeah. I said to you, "Well, why would they need a mini yeah. bar? They're not drinking alcohol." Yeah. You said to me, "The seal provider said yes. um, that." They don't want other people eating their food in the fridge, in the main room. Yeah, look, again, it's just something you would never know or you wouldn't think of. Um, having a private mm. place to store food items that that they that they buy personally, uh, some people prefer to store that in private. And, you know, you never want to get to the fridge one day and realise someone's drunk your orange juice or something. So 
that was that was the idea of giving them a provision for a, a bar fridge inside their own personal yeah. space. Yeah. Yep. Now let me read some um, some information on our ebook that we have for improvability that our customers would be looking at. Let me read this. As for as for all SDAs, improvability design has its own design principles that builders must adhere to at, as per the NDS Specialist Disability Combination Design Standard. Mm-hmm. The design features of an improvability home include the following: meet the Liberal Housing Australia silver level, luminance contrast, improved wayfinding, lines of sight light-based doorbells and fire alarms, mm-hmm. hearing loops, hearing augmentation, labelling, use of contextual cues, increased lines of sight, consistency in location of fixtures and fittings, and reduced lighting levels. Mm-hmm. So, Angie, what does improved wayfinding mean? Improved wayfinding. So I think that reflects um, probably some combination of the contrasting requirements of the SDA house yes. and the the ability for someone to kind of navigate through without uh, getting stuck or getting lost. Mm. And um, speaking of design and everything, we, we spoke with Grace earlier and she said that um, she prefers architects who work with um, less wasted space yeah. and then your team of architects yeah. uh, have that experience, don't they? Yes. Well, it's in our blood, I guess. We um, when you're When you're used to doing infield development lots, space comes at a premium and it's not because it costs money to build it's because every square meter is taking away from somewhere else that you could have put that square meter so you are always confined and constrained by space so we look at uh you know everyone looks at cost per square meter we we have an internal value value per square meter metric that we kind of look at that makes sense Mm -hmm. so yeah we, we try to eliminate all the low value areas wherever we can yeah, I think if you work with that kind of mindset, plus in infill areas as you currently do, yes. and not wasting space and maximizing, um, just maximizing the, the land itself, mm-hmm. um, you can really achieve a higher level of uh, of design, mm-hmm. which suits the comfort levels of the participants. Because in Queensland, the the, the most likely scenario is fifty percent of the land space is the Buildable area. So if you're 400 square meter block, mm-hmm. you're only allowed 200 square meters, right. unless there's council um, 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 lenience on the um, on the so- on the size of um, you know, the smaller lot designs where 300 square meters you're allowed to build more mm-hmm. on it. So you were saying to me earlier that with this kind of design of this IL design you have mm-hmm. here, uh, you could probably look look at 350, 300, three low 300 square meter block so- lot sizes mm-hmm. to fit this design of. Yeah, yeah, well, we would, again, um, this particular design has been based for this particular block and this particular yes. solar orientation and this particular set of circumstances. But mm. I guess what we've learnt is that a 300-odd square metre block could probably accommodate a really great improved livability house. Um, yes. And maybe we drop a participant. You know, we do 2 plus 1 instead of 3 plus 1. And, yes. and I guess what it shows is that the locations that we can then target shift as well so yes at the end of the day we have to create something that people want to live in first and foremost mm. and so when we mm. when we realize we learn something like that and we realize there's a whole bunch of locations where we will find those block sizes gets us you know very excited that we can do a lot more of these yes. yeah i think the great thing with the design you've made here is it could be a perfect small home mm-hmm. as a resale value in the future as well yes yeah 
But I think large bedroom sizes, courtyards, large living spaces, yeah. big alfresco area. It's maximised the actual land size yeah. from a builder's perspective yeah. to produce a product which is outstanding from a SDA point of view. Mm-hmm. I think I love it. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I hope we do more of these around Perth. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also in the event that an investor cannot fill this this house mm-hmm. up with participants, mm-hmm. it can still be rented at a good rental figure from a return point of view mm-hmm. as a normal brand-new family home yeah. to a young family. Yeah, or even better. Um we have room-by-room room property management companies who we have built for before. They would take this in a heartbeat. In fact, we just... You call that room room sharing? Is that right? Call we call it HMOs, so houses of multiple yes. occupants. I think in other states they're mm-hmm. called boarding houses or shared houses or, or some version yeah, of Yeah, in, in Victoria it's shared housing. In Queensland it's called co-living. Yeah, co-living yeah. is another word for it. So um, we've just recently finished... And, then, and again, those types of properties suit different locations and things like that. So we've just finished uh, two six-bedroom, six-bathroom townhouses for co-living, and they're yes. renting out mm-hmm. for two k per week each. Yeah. Wow, so yeah. there is, I think, if someone could not fill this with that with improved livability, they could easily find people uh, in a shared housing um, type of configuration. And if that fails, then they still have the the traditional housing. Which, which would work as well for this design. So what would be the rough estimated rental return in shared housing for this design in the Kelmscott area? My gut feel, it would be around 250 per room, something like that, per week. Times four rooms? Yeah. Yeah, 1,000 a week. Yeah. yeah. So slightly lower than what you would get with improved livability, but not, not that far off. But still higher than the than an average house family rental. Significant, significantly higher than an average house. Yes, we spoke about the estimated SDA income on this IL house being a three participant and OOA configuration, and with the southeast yep. uh, location region with the location factor in the calculator for SDA income, mm-hmm. it worked out to be about ninety two thousand yep. per year gross income. Now, with the uh, the 5.1% inflation figure last month by the federal government mm-hmm. announcement, mm-hmm. and also the pending price price guide changes, repricing of the SDA incomes, we probably see this IL house coming up to about 100 grand or more for a three yep. participant IL categories. Yes. So we'll see those numbers reflected in the calculator mm-hmm. and the publishing of the numbers by the government, NDIS, soon mm-hmm. in the next two or three months or so. Yeah, very soon. But the point is, where in Australia can you find, build a custom-built house design which maximises the land with the customised floor plan yeah. with up to almost 100 grand a year gross rent for IEL? You can't get that anywhere. You can't get that anywhere, yeah. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. Perth... Um, so... Mm-hmm. I think with Perth, we have the added advantage of seeing what has happened on the East Coast. So we've seen the mm. we've seen how improved livability has been overlooked by the broader market. We've seen how important it is as a type of accommodation for people with disabilities. So we've, we've ha- and the land is still quite affordable here uh, compared to all of the other cities. Mm. There are in Perth at the moment only fifty SDA dwellings in Perth. Oh, yeah. in, well, in Perth, yeah. 
Yeah. And they would mostly be uh, legacy homes and group homes from the old era. Yeah. Um, because you you spoke to the silver providers in those areas that you're talking about. They yeah. said there's nothing, is there? Not for improved livability. Um, and there's nothing for improved mm. livability both on the ground or in the pipeline. That's what's concerning for them. So um, now your stats that you've reflected, which reflect the broader market, suggest that maybe improved livability makes up 25 or 30% of the approved participants. But our experience is, or the SEAL providers are telling me that probably something like 70% of their participants are improved livability. And Yes, that's correct, yes. Um, and the developers that they're getting, almost 100% of the developers are building high physical support. So Correct. Yeah. So that 50, the 50 houses that I think you're referring to, um, does that include Mandurah as well? Or is that outside of Mandurah? No, no, this is only purely Northeast yeah. 1 and Southeast 49. Yeah. Look, I, I spoke to a SDA assessor, Lauren Hart from O-Tuition o yes. uh, yesterday. Mm -hmm. She's a Perth assessor. Yes. She has a, she's an OT by trade yeah. and she has an OT staff. Yeah, I know Lauren. And O-Tuition is her business. Yeah, and um, she said to me there's massive demand for IEL and Robust yeah. in the Perth market. Tremendous. I think there's massive demand for IEL and Robust throughout Australia. It's just yes. that for whatever reason, investors and developers are missing it. So we urge our listeners to really um, do the homework and consult the right people um, and don't be misled by people who say HPS is the way to go, it's the best returns, because out there what we're, we're seeing at the moment around Australia is there are a lot of uh, potential oversupply areas and there are we, we're coming across investors who are coming to us with uh, empty houses of HPS yeah. for sure. But um, look, what's what's your long what's your long term or well, short term goal for the next few months? Mm -hmm. Given our our endorsement here and, and your agreement yep. that IL is the way to go after your consideration discussions with your providers, mm -hmm. what is your goal for rolling out ILs for the next rest of the year? Look, we we'll continue that conversation with our SIL and SDA providers, and we'll continue being responsive mm -hmm. to the feedback that we're given by them, both from a type of house perspective, so whether whether that means both from a design category perspective, I should say, plus also some of the more detailed nuances about the specific um, the specific home. So if they're seeing yes. things like, you know, we really love this independent courtyard type of style, or maybe they, maybe they don't want to have three participants, maybe they want to have two, or maybe they don't want a double mm -hmm. carport, maybe they want one. I guess we'll continue to respond to what, um, what our SEAL providers and SDA providers are, are, are telling us. And, and continue yes. to deliver highly sought-after property in those locations for participants. Yes. So I, I really hope that you guys and your team can start considering robust yes, we will. As, a, as, as, a, as a type of design to roll out in the coming yep. few months in yep. your business because if we, can, if we can get you to work on sourcing land lots and areas that are of interest for the providers, then we'll certainly educate on our end, the uh, the investors to better understand that a low risk approach is probably the way to go in a hot market like we are seeing around Australia at the moment, particularly with potential um, uh, decrease of 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 of, lay, of of housing prices in the coming year or so due to the market cooling off. Yeah, yeah. Um, on that on that robust note, um, 
So just mm. to give you an update after your feedback, which has been super helpful as well, I should add, in guiding us down this path mm. and, and where to look and, you know, giving us not only the SDA and SIL provider stuff, but also feedback from the market and investors. Uh, I agree with you that robust is, is crucial and also overlooked. And um, our team, so we've currently engaged with a few of the biggest suppliers who provide fixtures and finishings like Hafili and a couple of others. Mm-hmm. And we are currently in the process mm-hmm. of building out our specification for those types of products. And I suspect by the end of this month, we will have some robust product ready to go as well. So thank you for encouraging us Wonderful. down that path. Yeah. Good to hear. Well, now I, I think we're good to go now. You've got to rush off to your next meeting with yeah. the providers and we'll wrap up this podcast. Any, If there's any questions anyone has about the Perth market or the kind of products that we're working with uh, Sardata Constructions in Perth about, please send us an email at info at Um If you like this podcast today, please share it with other, other friends and family that you think could uh, benefit from listening to what we do. And if you have a question or two about NDIS itself, I'm sure between myself and Angid and our teams around us that we can definitely answer what you need to know about uh, any SDA queries as well. So any final words from yourself, Angid? No, I just wanted to say thanks again for having us and looking forward to doing more improved livability stuff with you, man. Yeah, there is. Uh, by the way, there is a expo coming up, I yes. think, in yep. Perth. Or is it SDA conference? Do you remember what I sent to you I think last, it was a conference uh, from the Access Institution um, yeah, I'll have to look at it again. Yeah, I'll look at it and put it on the um, put it on the episode description below. But anyway, thank you so much for your time, Angus. We'll talk to you Thanks, soon, buddy. Take it easy. Ciao. Bye bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure that you are subscribed and following us so that you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five star rating, a written review and to share this episode with those that can benefit. Until next time, catch you on the next episode.